scripture lesson follows the text that we had last week. It is from the Gospel of John, chapter 15, starting at verse 9. And this picks up with Jesus' farewell discourse to his disciples prior to his death and resurrection. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in His love. I've said these things to you so that my joy may be complete in you and that your joy may be complete. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. No one has greater love than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command you. I do not call you servants any longer because the servant does not call what the master is doing, does not know what the master is doing. But I have called you friends because I have made known to you everything I have heard from my father. You did not choose me, but I chose you. And I appointed you to go and bear fruit, fruit that will last, so that the Father will give you whatever you ask Him in my name. I am giving you these commands so that you may love one another. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Lord, may the gleams which flash across my mind be not mine, but yours. And may they speak not just to me, but to us. And may they give you glory. In the name of Jesus Christ, I pray. Amen. Even for those of us who live with or seek religious faith, it is easy to focus on what we do not know. If we turn to our scriptures and begin with Genesis 1, We cannot really tell whether God created all things out of nothing or whether the formless void and waters were pre-existing materials out of which God shaped the world. It is possible that in their openness openness to the mystery of God, the Jewish poets who crafted this creation story may wish to hold before us both possibilities. We don't really know the reasons for evil, why bad things happen to good people, why God makes the sun to rise on the evil and the good, sends rain on the just and the unjust, why, as Ecclesiastes says, there are righteous people who perish in their righteousness, and there are wicked people who prolong their life in their evil doing. On a less cosmic and theological level, we don't really know what will happen in our lives in the next decade or year, in the next month or minute. Nor do we know when the next heroic act will restore our faith in human nature, when the next executive order, legislation, or court ruling will alter the lives of many in our land and possibly our lives as well, when the next war will erupt or treaty will be signed, When the next teenager will be killed by gunfire huddled beneath a table in a suburban school or when the next child will die doing her homework 
in front of the window of the housing project in which she lives. Nor do we know why one death attracts our sympathy, our attention, when others pass by barely noticed. Again, Ecclesiastes, when I applied my mind to know wisdom and to see the business that is done on earth, I saw all the work of God. I saw that no one can find what is happening under the sun. Even though those who are wise will claim to know, they cannot find it out. There are many things we do not know. But this we know. A human being who lived in the region of Palestine in the first century, a freed person, not a slave, Jewish, not Gentile, male, not female, a person of humble birth, short life, premature death carried out by the state at the request of religious authorities, while being fully human, claimed also to be an apocalyptic, quasi-mystical figure from heaven, the book of Daniel called the Son of Man. As mysterious as the phrase and claim were, among those who knew him, him it had some credibility because he taught as one having authority. He displayed power over disease and nature, which while not unheard of in his time, was impressive and a bit frightening. But the point at which he garnered most attention was when, after his death and burial, he was raised from the dead in a form that both continuity with his, earth, continuity with his earthly body but was also transformed into something different enough that when people who knew him well saw him, it took them a while to recognize him. Resurrected, he became what a later interpreter, the Apostle Paul, would call a spiritual body. After his resurrection, he appeared to enough of his followers, showing them his hands and his feet and the wounds in his side, eating in their presence, explaining that he was, in fact, the one whom they had left all to follow, that they believed him and told others, who told others, who told others. Forty days after he was raised from the dead, he ascended into heaven. And the belief that he was God spread like wildfire over land and sea, took institutional form in the Roman Catholic Church, and with the formation of the Holy Roman Empire, became one of the two or three organizing ideals of Western civilization into whose well-developed but possibly later stages we have been born. Thus we come here to this sanctuary Sunday after Sunday or we venture here for the first time gathered around a belief that this human being Jesus of Nazareth was in fact the Son of God the Anointed One the Christ the Son of Man the Messiah crucified, dead, and buried the third day He arose again from the dead ascended into heaven and sitteth on the right hand of God the Father Almighty. 
this we know. In the midst of all in this world, we don't know. We know that we heard him say in the text before us today, I have called you friends because I have made known to you everything that I heard from my Father. The word translated friends in this text is deeper than the casual meaning the word often has in English. In Greek, it is philos, one of three Greek words translated love. Philos refers more to the kind of love that exists in healthy relationships between siblings, brother to brother, sister to sister, sister to brother. The kind of love that exists between friends which prompts them to think of one another as brother or sister. Philos, love. From it we get Philadelphia, the city of brotherly love, not the city of friends. I have called you beloved because I have made known to you everything that I have heard from my Father. In other words, there are many things we don't know, but we do know that we are loved. Loved by the risen Christ. Loved by the Christ ascended into heaven. Loved by the God who is His Father and our Father. I have called you beloved. This we know. As I told the New Testament class which ended last week, a story which has circulated for years about the most prolific theologian, of the 20th century, Karl Barth. Barth wrote in German. His sentences last four paragraphs. His images come so quickly across the pages, it is difficult to absorb them. Many people cannot read Barth because his writing is so dense that it more than taxes the mind. But the story is told that on his one trip to America, In 1962, he was speaking at the Rockefeller Chapel at the University of Chicago. A student asked if Professor Bart could summarize his whole life's work, his multiple tomes, in one sentence. Bart answered, yes, I can. In the words of a song I learned at my mother's knee, Jesus loves me. This I know, for the Bible tells me so. I have called you beloved. This we know. From this knowledge flow many other things from us. Flow naturally like water down a stream, like light from sunrise. From knowing that we are loved by God flows a fundamental relationship to others marked by that same love, by that same flow. From knowing that we are loved by God flows a seamless web of remaining in that love, of loving others, of keeping the commandments of the one by whom we are loved, 
of experiencing a deep sense of joy, of loving one another in the close-knit community called the church. From knowing that we are loved by God flows a fundamental approach toward people that loves them even when the form of our love has to hold them responsible for what they have done. Has to be love that is tough. Tough love. At the other end of the spectrum from knowing that we are loved by God flows a fundamental human love that might call upon us to make great sacrifices, literal or figurative, on behalf of those we love, a parent for a child, an adult child for a parent, a sibling for a sibling, a friend for a friend, a church member for another church member, a soldier or sailor for a fellow citizen. Or a nation. Taking all these words of, about love from Jesus and speaking as a clergy person and as a human being, I can say that my own experience of love for and from others, parents, children, stepchildren, spouse, church members, has rarely been of the outwardly emotional type and is often not sentimental. The love I have experienced from God is not characterized by much laughter or ecstasy. I have not heard God calling my name three times in the night as did Samuel. I have not danced before the Lord as did King David. I've only barely heard the still, small voice Elijah heard. The risen Christ has not spoken my name outside a tomb as he did to Mary, nor called me on the road to Damascus as he did to Paul. I have never received tongues as a fire like the apostles at Pentecost, giving rise to speculation that I and those with me might be drunk. That was speculated, as was speculated of the earliest disciples. I've not seen a vision of all kinds of food suddenly rendered clean like Peter, nor a vision of a new heavens and a new earth like John imprisoned on the Isle of Patmos. But instead, in my life, I have been given a deep trust. I would even go so far as to say a knowledge that I, that we, are loved by God. What I know of that love provides me almost without fail with a sense of security, a sense of solidity, a sense of protection, a sense of trust in the fate of the universe and in my own fate. A sense that God is always present, has always been present, will always be present as figurative whisperer in the ear saying, you will get through this, Larry. This too shall pass. And even that enduring it may Produce character.
Never in my most harrowing moments have I worried about the absence of God enough to shake my fundamental trust in God. I know that I am unusual in this regard. The reality of this, me being unusual in this regard, does not mean that my faith is stronger or superior to those many people here today and those more not here who feel that God has taken leave from their lives, that God has taken leave from the situation at hand. But in times of joy and times of sorrow and in the many ordinary times that predominate in between, I know that I am loved by God. I know that we are loved by God. All of us. And that knowledge is what keeps me going. As I indicated last week, the word abide is important to me. And it appears two times at the outset of our reading today, both times connected with Christ's love for us. If you keep my commandments, Christ says, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. In Greek, the word abide is menain, from which we get the word remain. You will Remain in my love, Christ says, just as I remain in God's love. Abide. Remain. We never have to leave. God never leaves. In Bernard Pomerantz's play, The Elephant Man, Dr. Frederick Treves asks the hopelessly deformed elephant man, John Merrick, a patient to, to come and live in the London hospital for treatment and research. When he arrives, Treves says, you're happy here, are you not, John? Yes. The baths have rid you of the odor, have they not? First chance I had to bathe regular. And three meals a day delivered to your room? Yes, sir. This is your promised land, is it not? A roof, food, protection, care, is it not? Right, Mr. Treves. I'll bet you don't know what to call this. No, sir, I don't know. You call it home. Never had a home before. You have one now. Say it, John. Home. Home. No, no, really say it, John. I have a home. I have a home. This is my home. Go on, say it, John. I have a home. This is my home. This is my home. I have a home. As long as I like. That is what a home is, John. That is what is home. Let's say it 
together responsively. I have a home. This is my home. I have a home. This is my home. As long as I like. Abide in me as I in you. This is our home. As long as we like. This is what we know. Amen.